Welcome to Lessons from Life, the podcast that gleams profound life lessons from everyday life stories. Hosted by Dustin Fenton and Brandon Hill. Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in again. This is Dustin Fenton and Brandon Hill. Brandon, how's it going? Going really good. We've got a special guest with us today, Will Yank, and he's got a great story for us today. Will, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So quick introduction to me. Uh, my name is William Yank, currently living in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm currently post bone marrow transplant. I'm a cancer patient out here. I have leukemia. Thanks for sharing that, Will. Why don't you tell us the story of your journey? After my junior year of college, I got a really cool internship opportunity in Washington, D.C. And there I was able to do an HR internship and kind of travel outside of the state of Indiana and do some different things that I wanted to do as a excited college student would do. Anywho, I get to D.C. and I'm kind of living my best life out there. I was the guy that kind of woke up at like 5 a.m., did the crazy CrossFit workouts, really took mm-hmm. care of his health and everything, took his supplements, ate really well, went to bed early with a book and, you know, continued on to the next day. So really trying to be on the path to success as much as I could. From there, I, I left in the internship about a month and a half. And then I got a really, really bad sore throat one day. And mm-hmm. I figured, oh, you know, come on, like just strep or something like that. So Hopped over to an urgent care and they just told me I had mono. And I was like, okay, common thing for college kids to get mono, whatever. You know, it's a virus. You fight it off in bed for a few days and then you go back to work. So Mm. cleared it with my boss. We were all good and everything. And so I was laying around. But by that fourth or fifth day, I just felt really bad. And my most notable memory of it was I walked out into our kitchen with the roommate that I was with. And I tried to open our fridge and I wanted to bottle of water out of that fridge. And I literally couldn't physically open the fridge. I wasn't strong enough. And I was like, okay, what the heck? And my roommate's talking to me as I'm trying to get this water bottle, you know, just checking up on me, seeing if I'm okay. And I was delirious apparently and didn't know where I was, didn't know what was going on. And so he's like, we're taking you to the ER like now. And so hop into this car, go to the ER, whatever. I was, I was against it. You know, I, I, I'd been so healthy. So I figured how could, you know, nothing like this could ever happen to me. Like there's no chance. Like I was that typical, you know, 20 year old thinking that I'm invincible to any bad thing mm-hmm. kind of happening to me. And we get to the ER and I end up getting, being diagnosed with a plethora of things. Mm-hmm. So all the things that I was diagnosed with was leukemia, which is the cancer, ALL, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. But I also had a really, really bad staph infection called septic shock. And so pretty much it was ravaging the inside of my body and was like eating my skin and muscles from the inside out. So now I have like some pretty cool scars actually on my body that are leftovers from that. But I also got diagnosed with a few other things. So I had the leukemia, septic shock, organ failure, acute kidney dysfunction, amoria sfugax, which I believe is when your eyes won't dilate correctly cardiomyopathy, which is your heart isn't pumping correctly, obviously, because my body's starting to shut down and fail and die. So my heart was doing everything it possibly could to try to get it together. And then coagulopathy as well. My my blood wouldn't coagulate. I was nearing the end, literally, in the most literal sense. And so from there, things in the most literal sense hit the fan. And I immediately got taken to Johns Hopkins. 
the doctors weren't really sure if I was going to make it. They told my mom, like, you might need to start planning, like, you know, my, my funeral and everything. And, you know, two or three days after I was still kicking. And Mm -hmm. so they were really happy to see my body respond to the medicines they were giving me. Mm -hmm. But from all the medicine, the fuel, the fluids and everything to pick me back up, I gained about 30 pounds from my healthy 180 weight. Mm. and went up to 210 and then after about two weeks dropped down to like 150 pounds because I just shed all that really fast and my body was just absolutely wrecked Mm. and so from about the time that I arrived at Johns Hopkins to I mean it was probably a week and a half I most literally blacked out I had no idea what was going on I wasn't cognitive I wasn't able to remember interactions wasn't able to be emotional I was just kind of like there living We have footage and video and pictures of me moving around talking to other people, but I have zero memory of it other than what my mom gave me probably a couple months after I was sick to kind of look at the trauma that I faced. And so I went through all that and I was in the hospital for about a month, month and a half to try to obviously recover and everything. Lots of physical therapy, lots of medicine, you know, starting the chemo for the cancer and everything. And yeah we were finally able to return back to Indiana and continue treatment at Riley Children's Hospital, great hospital in Indiana. I got diagnosed on June 22nd, 2018. In December, I went back to Johns Hopkins for treatment. It's called a CAR T cell therapy. It's where they genetically modify your T cells to pretty much attack the leukemia. It's a very new procedure, but got approved and I was a good candidate. So we went for it. Hmm. And I actually got into remission January 10th of 2019, which was great news. I was in remission for about six months after that until about June, probably summertime, I relapsed again. There was a small Mm. amount of leukemia in my bone marrow. So went back, they were able to do a second round of the CAR T cells and I got in remission again for another two months. So now we're looking around, you know, August, September. I was just starting my senior year, finally, hopefully, you know, putting this all behind me, but sadly got a call about two or three weeks into school that I had again relapsed, mm-hmm. this time to a more significant level. So they immediately got me back to Johns Hopkins. Literally, I packed everything and was back in Baltimore by probably three days. I left school. Mm-hmm. I was forced to kind of like drop out, get back. Yeah. And we were, our plan was to do the, the bone marrow transplant. But and as soon as they, I got back, my bone marrow had too much leukemia then. And mm-hmm. so What I spent the next and past six months doing was trying to clear my body of leukemia so I could get to the transplant. And so I just go through different chemo treatments, different immunotherapies and everything. We finally got there. And on February 7th, I I retrieved my stem cell bone marrow transplant, however you want to look at it, um, for my sister. She was my donor Mm. and have since then just fought uh, (laughs) another plethora of side effects and different things, but nothing I couldn't handle. Um, and now it's just a waiting game. It really is. Um, I think I'm post 40, 45 days of Mm. transplants and they're going to keep watch after me for a hundred days for sure. And then watch me from afar after that. So we'll see what happens. I still have a lot, lot going on, lots to do. So I don't plan on going anywhere (laughs) anytime soon. So pretty excited for things moving forward, but yeah, it's right now it's a watch to wait game. We have no clear, you know, diagnosis or evidence that I am officially cancer free, but we're definitely headed that way. So that's great to hear. Good stuff. 
Well, you, you seem to have been just really positive through this whole experience, at least the way we're viewing it on social media mm-hmm. uh, from you. Is that really how you're feeling about it and, and looking at this whole situation? Yes and no. I mm-hmm. spend a lot of time on both ends. I actually, very shortly after I got diagnosed, I started meeting with a therapist to make sure mm-hmm. that I was able to you know, keep my head on straight through all mm-hmm. this because it's a mm-hmm. lot of trauma to face at just such an inopportune time. Mm-hmm. And that has actually helped me keep my head on my shoulders and allowed me, I think, to be that and continue to be positive through social media. Now, sometimes I get caught in that, right? Because everything's not always perfect. You know, every day mm-hmm. I'm not always positive constantly, but that is the bulk of my attitude, I would say. That is the bulk of my emotional makeup. And whether it's positivity or just a discipline or a need to just keep pushing through, keep stepping forward, you know a will to live, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's always, it has to be labeled as positivity, but I just know that I I have things that I want to do and uh, things that I want to experience and I refuse to let this kind of get in the way. So I'm just trying to make fun of a situation that is obviously not mm-hmm. so fun because yeah. it's all we can do. How have disciplines helped you through this time? That's a great question. I'm so grateful I'd established a strong discipline, you know, in my first three years of college that was able to mm-hmm. really play into this situation. Mm-hmm. And then also just having like the support of family, of course. But I think the discipline and being able to set a routine has also helped keep that sanity, keep that positivity going because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm kind of going out of my way to do things like journal, talk to my therapist, mm-hmm. meditate on things and, and really think about what I'm going through, you know, read some books, you know, make sure that I'm, still controlling what I can control, right? Mm-hmm. Like in such a, in a situation where I have zero control over my body, I have zero control over the one thing that I used to feel so much control over, right? Because mm-hmm. I took care of myself so well. These are just things that discipline, that routine is something I can control and take care of. And if anything, improve my situation. You know, I know there's all the people that, you know, might be continuing to exercise, you know, I experience less side effects than, you know, most people from chemo, you know, and continuing right. to eat right and do those different things helps me feel better faster. So I think it's those things that helped along the way through this, yeah, like journey. Did you always journal or is that a new discipline for you? Or maybe a different question along those same lines is, is what disciplines have you picked up now that this, this is kind of a part of your life? The journaling thing, I actually got really into self-improvement, self-development, et cetera, my junior year of college. And I would journal every night and read every night. And these were things I just kind of got in the hang of doing. And so now I'm not going to tell you that I'm a perfect journaler, right? I'm not going (laughs) to tell you I sit down every single day, you know, like these hardcore people. No, I journal when I feel the need to journal. And I I do things when when it feels right. And I probably learned from this experience, maybe not new disciplines, but more of a pullback on discipline or a lack thereof, Mm. because I think I was too stressed out on making Mm. sure I achieved every single little piece of my day that now as I do things, my heart's more present there. My Mm. my head is more present there. When I actually do the journaling or do the reading, I want to do it. It's not something, Mm. oh my gosh, you know, I got to journal from eight to nine and then I got to read nine to 10. No, like I, I, when I wake up, I'm like, Oh, like I get to read. I want to read. It's not, uh, it hasn't become a task anymore, which is really nice because it was something right that I checked off Mm -hmm. prior to my illness. It was just something Mm -hmm. I had in my, 
you know, schedule. And I was just like, Oh, journal check. Like that's not, that's not the point. So you really probably even learned the discipline of grace in that regard. And, oh, yeah. and just giving yourself that freedom to go, uh, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to run every day or exercise every day. I don't need to do those things, but allow the discipline to not be a, a rigor, but yeah. be something that is a freedom in that where we think of discipline as, as something that's really hard or tough, or you got to stick your nose to the grindstone and, and kind of make it happen day in, day out. Uh, you've experienced the idea that discipline are these outlets and, and really some freedoms. Uh, yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, maybe that's, that's how you might describe a discipline now. Is that, no, is that, a, yeah. is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah. And it, well, it's, I find it so hard listening to some mainstream media because you have all these people talking about all oh, grinding and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I can't lie. I drank the, I drank the Kool-Aid too. <laughs> when I first, when I, you know, was working on all that self-development stuff, but yeah. I, you know, I can tell you straight up after this experience, like it is not staying up till 3am doing everything in your power to achieve this thing. Like taking care of yourself, you know, getting the sleep and doing things that you want to do and enjoy doing. It's, it's okay. Like, you know, God forbid you enjoy yourself or like what you do. Part of what I've been intrigued by, you said you built these uh, disciplines while you were still in college. And I know very few college students who go to bed early and get up early and (laughs) and read at night and, and journal. And yeah. and maybe that was just, you know, some higher power knowing that you needed to be prepared for what was coming. Oh, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I don't know how the universe <laughs> works through all that. I wonder every day, definitely thinking about that because it definitely prepared me, like you just said, for mm. such a larger mountain that I was about to face. So. Mm. Yeah. So, Will, you've had uh, some opportunities. You know, I did a little homework. It looks like you did a TEDx talk at your university. Yeah, um, yeah. Ap- apparently, you're famous in, in England for... Uh, in the UK, apparently. Yeah. I, mean, I was just on the Daily Mail. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, nice. I just, I just thought we'll make sure we link to those on our website so people can see those as well. But oh, thank you. Uh, it looks like you've been taking this experience and really making sure that other people are learning from it. And I think particularly people of your age, mm-hmm. you know, if you were wanting to say, here's the one thing I want people to hear me about, because I've learned a lesson that most people aren't going to learn, what would that be? Oh, wow. That is a, that's a good question right there. Kind of like we discussed give yourself the grace and just kindness goes so much farther Mm. than ignoring others and the kindness I've experienced and the compassion and empathy I've experienced from not only my mother, but my nurses Mm. and whether it's the compassion and empathy I show to these other patients that I try to help out all the time Mm -hmm. or, you know, the messages I receive on Instagram, you know, a lot of people really wouldn't respond to those. You know, I have people telling me stories about deep things and I try to respond to all them because I know that it's not, Mm -hmm. you need someone there, someone who understands, who can relate. And sometimes you don't have that person around and I know what that feels like. So Mm -hmm. um, if I can be there for them, if I can inspire them in some way, I mean, yeah, just having a, having a kind heart and just how far that can take you. And I don't know, it's amazing what you do when you just choose to love other people rather than just, I don't, I don't even know what the opposite would be because I really Mm -hmm. just don't try to do that. Um, 
Well, Will, it's great to hear your story. It's encouraging to hear how you're enduring that. And certainly you are in our prayers and we're praying and hoping for your full healing. I think you have a lot to offer the world and I'm excited to see what your future holds. No, yeah, thank you. And thank you both for not only inviting me to the podcast, but uh, giving me this opportunity. I mean, any chance to spread some love. Great. You guys are showing me the love right now and I appreciate mm. that so much. And um, we'll just keep moving forward and hopefully we stay connected and keep it on going. <laughs> great. That's great. Thanks, Will. Appreciate yeah, your problem. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Lessons from Life. We hope that you have learned a lesson today that will help you to be more fulfilled in life's journey. If you were inspired by today's episode, please subscribe and review. You can find Lessons from Life at LessonsFromLifeForYou.com. That is with the number four and the letter U. You can also find links to all of our social media on our website. We would love to hear the valuable lessons that you have learned from your life experiences. 